This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans, but Hans is a little preoccupied right now. He's closing his window or something or another. And the theme of tonight's show is going to be a focus on the filmmaker, the musician, Rob Zombie. But our guest is running a little bit late tonight. So we're going to be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home in the meantime. Now, Hans, you were just saying that you couldn't be caught dead in the theater seeing this movie. Yeah. I don't want that to be my return to theaters. I figured it out. Um, I think it was Venom, the last movie I saw. Well, it would have been a fitting one because Venom's kind of in this movie. Now, at the theater that I saw it at, which was not a theater, it was one, two, three movies, they cut out the post credit sequence, but that's where he appears, apparently. He's having a drink at a bar and leaves a little goo behind or something. And then that's going to stem Venom in the Tom Holland MCU universe. So, you had, what would you say? You <laughs> asked me if it was the Amazing Spider-Man 2 Part 2 in terms of messiness. Right? Yeah, because I feel like I, I haven't even read a review, so I, I, I don't know. But it seems to be uh, that they're trying to do what they tried to do before with the Amazing Spider-Man, where they would just bring so many different characters to so many different storylines that at the end of the day, you get a half story from the main character. And then it's just kind of messy because there's too many things happening. It's too many different characters that you tr- that, that they try to make you emotional about. And then at the end, they give you like exciting 10, 15 minutes so that you can forget about all the mess that the rest was. And then you, you go home happy like that audience of ch- ch- adult children that just lost their mind. That's on Twitter. That, that, that Is that clip really like, from Spider-Man? That, the, the page that posted it is like a Spider-Man page, like fan page. So I'm assuming... I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. But I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know the sound, if it's accurate or not. Uh, but it's embarrassing. That's what it is. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's, the whole thing is a mess that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it knows it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's essentially just a remake of the 2018 animated film, Enter the Spider-Verse, right? Uh, but that actually had some coherency to it. It made sense with what it was doing. And the plot wasn't so dumb this feels like something that you would uh you know just spitball between a couple of fourth grade friends in elementary school like oh yeah we're gonna uh, how about this spider-man and this spider-man team up and then this spider-man comes in and then they're just gonna help all the bad guys not be bad anymore oh all right that's a great idea for a movie let's put 200 million dollars in it. let's get willem dafoe for that so Wait, what do you mean to help them not be bad anymore that's the that's the whole thing is Peter Parker and Peter Parker and Peter Parker and Aunt May are going to help the villains not be bad anymore. They can fix the villains, goddammit. These villains who did terrible things. What did uh, Green Goblin do? Killed somebody, right? Didn't he fuck up Aunt May's house? He blew it up and yeah. you know, threatened yeah, her or he, something? Put her in the hospital? He, yeah, he fucked Abel for her girlfriend <laughs> in the movie. And, uh, <laughs> So Aunt May is a main character now. She helps. Well, you want to be spoiled? I don't care. She gets killed. Really. He we're, kills not, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna do an episode of this anyway, right? Well, I'm this assuming. is this is probably the episode. This is gonna be okay. the rest of it. I just did a show with Monkey Jones and Kino Corner, aka Isaac. I Isaac, is that his name? Isaac uh, Stein, I think his name is. I don't know. Uh, Kino Corner. Wow. <laughs> He's uh, they just okay. did a show with me on 
Spider-Man, No Way Home, and we just it's trash the whole thing. It's Oi Bay, his middle name? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and uh, it seemed like Mumkey kind of enjoyed the movie enough, but knew it was a bad movie, and Kino was just whatever about the movie. He was preoccupied with some French film, I think, in the theater. I don't know. And I was... I, look, my thing is, I knew this was going to be what, exactly what it was sold to us as. So I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed the whole thing. But it just feels like fan fiction. It feels uh, redundant. And it also cheapens everything going on with the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Because think about it like this, right? This is what I said on the show. Imagine you're watching The Dark Knight, right? Or Batman Begins. But in order for that Christian Bale Batman to become the Batman we all know... George Clooney's Batman and Val Kilmer's Batman have to come in through an alternate timeline and say, hey, kid, this is we're also Batman, too. And here's Jack Nicholson's flabby Joker. And he's going to kill somebody you love. And this is going to be now it's going to set the timeline in place. You have to have that component. That's what they just did with this Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. That, that <laughs> no. terrible. And it then makes... you're just trying to not to make him not bad after he killed your aunt. Yes, Is you that... have to fix the Joker. The Joker killed oh. his parents in that timeline, but in this timeline, obviously, it was Joe Chill. But maybe we yeah. can fix the Joker. Maybe we can cure his dementia, and so we won't spill spaghetti all over the Lakers court. That's going to be... that. Watch, that's going to be the Flash. They're going to have CGI <laughs> Jack back. It's going to be Henry Thomas from E.T. as, as the Joker. Yeah. No, um, Jesus, yeah. Anyway, hey, we got Spencer hanging out in the waiting room here. Are you ready to talk about Rob Zombie instead? I know you're a yeah, big yeah. fan. Oh, yeah. El Supervisto, that was a big yeah. big favorite of yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Me, what I too. In, in 2015. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, Paul Giamatti did a voice on that, I think. It had an all-star cast. And we got Spencer here. His audio is connecting. For those who, Spencer, hey you... Spencer, how's there it going? There we go. What up, dudes? How you Have doing? you seen Spider Man yet? No, fuck no. Okay. <laughs> Are you gonna see Spider Man? I feel bad because I'm like a comic book writer, but it's uh, I'm I'm like so worn out on comic book movies in general right now. But uh, this is the multiverse. You have three different Spider Men in one movie. This is huge. Yeah. This is uh, history. There's like the little kid in me that's excited to see like what they're gonna do with all the Raimi shit, but like not enough to go out to a theater right now for anything when I'm like neck deep in work. Do you wanna know? Do you wanna get spoiled <laughs> a little bit? Oh yeah, man. Go go watch I'm not like a person with spoilers at all. Like I'm I like to have the whole experience even if it's a shitty movie. So it's like spoilers don't ruin shit for me. I, I... Uh, never really understood that. So I was just telling Hans the whole goal of the peter parkers in the film is to cure the bad guys of being bad so they're whatever it is a drive now you, they also have like what's his name rise eifen he, he's the lizard again even though he got cured right he got cured in that yeah. movie he was set back to oh normal. yeah from uh was that the first amazing one? Yeah, yes amazing the first amazing spider-man they retcon that so he just is a lizard again in the, in the cell jamie fox looks completely different doesn't act a thing like the nerd uh, Jim Carrey Riddler character that he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. James Franco. The, is he in the green and yellow suit? Yeah, uh, No, he goes full yellow. It's more like, uh, I think, what was it? Ultimate Spider-Man? Uh, or was that? Was that a sounds more like, uh, I was going to say, yeah, sounds more like Shocker. Yeah. He's in all yellow. 
it, the the outfit is I would say probably more similar to Shocker, but they did Shocker well, in Spider Man Homecoming with Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem, yeah. What Wait, hold saying? on. So they did a they did a Stefan or Carl or thing with mm. uh, with uh, Electro, <laughs> where he was a huge dork, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's cool. Now I'm sexy now. That's, yeah, that's exactly. That's no, and he's like, I want to stay in this. Year. Look, I'm cool now. I'm I'm a hip guy. I'm more like they, they, Jamie they, like, Fox from the Gold Digger. Setting video. that up in the second one but they never fully like realize anything in that that was the big problem with that movie was it was just like choice moments from the comics and then they didn't really know what to do with a villain or anything so jamie fox was like i'm like an autistic nerd one minute and then i'm like cool and there was like wasn't there like a dubstep itsy bitsy spider yes so they bring it back this is (laughs) that's done in this movie too amazing the idea is, I guess, oh, if we if we help them, if we turn them into good guys, then maybe when we send them back to their timelines, now I have to tell you guys this, when they get pulled into this timeline, it is the seconds before their deaths in the films, which is how they make sense of it. Even though Willem Dafoe is 62 years old now and looks mm-hmm. 62 years old, and yeah. Alfred Molina, when they actually use him on set and don't just throw his face onto somebody else's body, is clearly fatter. Um, this is the idea. They're, they're from the moment they were about to die. They're now in this universe. Now, the idea is we're going to cure them of being bad and send them back to the universe, which does not change the fact that they're about to die in their universe. <laughs> <Yeah. But laughs> so they just they, go to heaven. The villains recognize, <laughs> oh, yes, right. So that's essentially. Yeah, and no the one in their up. universe is going to know they're good now either. So it's like Captain America's about to punch a hole through you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Willem Dafoe's cut in half, and Alfred Molina's seven feet under the water getting drowned by that giant energy. Bo- like, it's not oh, going to yeah, change a right. goddamn thing. Oh, my God. I heard Willem Dafoe, though, uh, like hit one of his stipulations in his contract for even doing the movie was he insisted he wanted to do as many of the stunts as he possibly could. So yes. I heard a lot of the stuff he's in, like, looks good, at least. It so does. Yeah. It's you like can tell. cohesive as a character. You can actually tell the difference. I'll say that in this movie. Uh, because he's actually wrestling with Tom Holland and trying to body slam and do all this stuff. And you can see that yeah. it's actually him. And not some CG rendition of him, which you cannot say for Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx did not want to do his stunts clearly. Uh, probably still scarred from Miami Vice, where they were actually shooting off like villagers were shooting bullets in the direction of the cast and crew or something. He doesn't. He doesn't want to get hurt before he goes and plays Spawn in Todd McFarlane's debut oh, movie. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that the other night, weren't we, Hans? Yeah. We just like yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. with the Spawn remake, reboot, seek, whatever this is supposed to be. Uh, supposedly has a script now. Uh, yeah, he's been had a script for thirty-five years. <laughs> well, uh, no, he opened it up to other people because he basically finally admitted that he can't do it on his own. It seems like he's going to get another director too, but I don't think. Last I read, he had announced who actually wrote the script that he liked. But he said it was like a hard R and it was more of a horror movie than hard a R. superhero movie. Spawn? I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah, that's not a good uh, direction to take it in. Well, I think they're trying to ditch all the like, like people seem to forget how corny the first like 30 issues were that all the like animated series was based on, the movie was based on. There's a lot of dark stuff, but there was also a ton of like schlocky, cheesy stuff that was throughout the the early years of that book. And it's all all Todd. I think they should do 
they should do an adaptation of that that savage dragon spawn crossover that's what they should do like bat how they introduced ben affleck's batman with batman v superman that's what you do you establish savage dragon and spawn same origins and you do it as a movie savage dragon was just like diehard with superheroes yeah. That was a build up to what was it? Overlord, his his uh, villain. So much that shit's out of my head now. Like <laughs> trying to forget what I grew up on. That's best left in the '90s, I think. Yeah, man. I grew up on the Image Muscle era, but I'm not proud of it. <laughs> you know what? What else? Some people would say is best left in the '90s is the career of Rob Zombie, who we're talking about tonight. Uh, <laughs> Not, what, are you not excited about that Monsters movie? I Here's the thing about that. The only thing I feel about that is good for, what is his name, Jeff Daniel Phillips for getting such a, mm-hmm. a an, like a real real role for a notable property. I, I think it's Universal owns that. Yeah. That's about it. I'm not. Is that a I'm, movie now? I thought that got like up to a series. Uh, oh. No, I... A, I I thought it got so. I think they were going to do a rebooted. I mean, you also got to keep in mind uh, whether or not there's a series in development and a movie in development doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. Like the Chucky films, for example, there's a Chucky TV show, and they did the oh, Child's yeah. Play remake, and they did some Child's Play sequel to the original. Like they, you can do whatever you want these days. The rights get so divided. Uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City just came out, and they're promoting a Netflix show that is completely unrelated. Yeah, has, did you see that one? I, uh, the movie or the uh, the the, the new series? the new movie? I did see it. I went to go uh, see it in theaters a couple of days after it came out. I have to be honest. I enjoyed it. I yeah. I thought it was close enough to the original games. It's not. Look, it's not good. It's not a good movie. It's not good. Okay, <laughs> I have to preface by saying this. It's not a good movie. Have you already done a but, video or anything on it? No, Hans does not want to watch it, especially on okay. the cam. So I'm waiting for him to. Get an HD rip of it. Can you answer do that. one question? Is sure. Hunk in it? God, I wish. But uh, no, he's not. You get I've it. been dicking around, joking that I was going to write a Hunk movie for like years now. Oh, and I was like, terrific. oh, just throw him in there, dude. It's so easy. And like to just do something that you don't really need to worry too much about the canon. You just sort of fill in like, where the fuck was this guy the whole time? And just make like a balls to the wall action horror movie with that. To send him in with like a squad of other umbrella operatives and it whittles down to just him and you can throw in those little bits where you see him in the game and work it into the overall story but man what another missed another huge missed opportunity for not including him that that oh, would man. be amazing i've been thinking about that lately is is oh they could easily do something with that character uh hans do you know who hunk is no i didn't really play those games that much oh man he was uh, an extra character on the Nintendo 64 version where I think if you beat the game at a certain speed or something, you could unlock him as a like a scenario you could uh, play out. And uh, his name was not supposed – I've been uh, listening to the unofficial history of Resident Evil and how they got the games off the ground at Capcom in Japan in the uh, mid-'90s and how I think Sweet Home, which was a Japanese film-turned-game, was like a first stab at – doing resident evil and then it evolved into what it is now um hunk is supposed to be named hank but in japan the u and the a are the same letter or the same sound or whatever it is and so when it got translated some dummy put hunk instead of hank and that's why his name is hunk 
So, uh, no, he's not in the movie, unfortunately. He's not but, a handsome character, no? <laughs> yeah, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's actually John Travolta's uh, likeness on the character. Uh, they should just get him to play Hunk in the movie. Why not? That is a little bit of history and actually why Hank is named Hank in the, the City of Rock comic I just finished up. Nice. Uh, it's a little we'll slide at that because i'm a i'm a big resident evil nerd so i was really excited for that but uh they're doing a hunk game you know in 2024 they were that was originally what they were doing with that multiplayer one too and it eventually turned into like operation raccoon city or something like that multiplayer games start getting really big and they basically just ditched the whole idea of doing a narrative game and went with that instead and that was dog shit it was like third person counter strike with just like zombies randomly everywhere mm. uh, so um are, what how, what is your vibe on the uh, paul ws anderson resident evil films because i hate almost i i kind of like the first one a little bit and then the rest i hate the first one is a good movie if you completely remove the name and the license from it mm. if it's just like a action horror movie that movie still surprisingly holds up i think i went back like a year ago or something like that and watched it and it's still like an enjoyable watch as just a movie yeah uh, after that it turns into like weird like it it's like fan fiction between a husband and wife like that's exactly <laughs> what it is and Every time a new character shows up, it's either like, uh, uh, we, we nailed the visuals and they're a husk of what they were in the, uh, the source material. Like, uh, the guy who played Leon, I think it was like Norwegian or something like that, could barely speak English. There's a bunch of characters basically that were so bad, uh, doing their own voice work that they ADR'd the actual, uh, people from the video games. Like, uh, the voice of Ada Wong did all the VO work over the, the Asian girl that played her in those movies. Wow. Uh, I had no yeah. idea. And it's a white lady that does the voice of Ada Wong in the games, who is still an Asian lady. Uh, but, yeah, she ADR'd all of it. I'm pretty sure Leon got ADR'd over. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Leon did get ADR'd over because Matt Mercer, who did his voice in the games tried out to be the ADR uh, artist for Leon in the in the movies and got turned down for not sounding enough like the voice in the games, which is like a hilarious little story that <laughs> he only explained in one tweet, I think a couple of years back. He was like, yeah, he tried out for it well into, fuck, sorry, well into him being the, uh, the voice actor for Leon in the games and uh, the studio didn't think he sounded like himself. I don't think I've ever been more disappointed by a movie I rented uh, when I checked out Resident Evil Apocalypse because I saw the first movie in theaters and I was pretty hyped on I was disappointed that they didn't use any of the characters from the games, but they have the nemesis tease at the end. You're, yeah. I think it takes place in the Spencer Mansion, right? Spencer or, is like a nod to it and it's mentioned as the Spencer Mansion, but, but it's, it's not, not. It's not really. Yeah, yeah, they get the subway system in the in the basement and everything. So it's reminiscent, and they rip off Cube in the movie. That scene is still pretty cool. I, yeah. I watched it a couple oh, yeah. months ago. That that's the best part of the movie, right? That there. ends up being like the through line through all the movies. That that tunnel actually comes back up in like four of those movies. Like I know I'm pretty sure it's the last two at least have them, and it's used to kill off like multiple of the like big villain of the movies. Like I think it's the fourth one. They somehow end up back at that mansion after it's all bombed out. And uh, 
don't know if there's like a snow plow driving by my house or something. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's like all it's all bombed <clears throat> out and uh, they go back there, but that hallway is like pristine still. And uh, she kills like one of the tyrants in there using it exactly like it is in the, the first movie. And it's just like beat for beat the same scene, except someone else hacks it to stop it from killing her at the last second. Uh, it's weird. It becomes like a just like a recurring scene in at least half of the movies. I think. I um, they, they did. I think there were six seven? of those Paul W S yeah. Anderson films. I watched the first three, and that's about all. They don't get any watch. better. No, I I saw. I was watching the just the trailers to all of them. And at one point, there's like four different Mila Joviches that are in space and running up something. And it's just like, what the hell did they do with this property? They went Jason X on it? Is the, it, it, there's like the second or third one. One of them is just like her being cloned over and over again. Yes. Yeah. And they bring back Michelle Rodriguez and a couple of other dead characters. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody's getting cloned. Oh man, if you haven't, I feel like you should just watch the last one to find out the insane way they wrap it up and how it ends up having like nothing to do with the games by the end. Yeah. Like they just nail in the coffin of like, we used every visual bit from the games, but none of the soul of this. Well, just tell, I'm not going to watch the movie. So it's you, like, please spoil it. It's, it was basically like a big conspiracy where uh, Umbrella was going to basically destabilize the entire world, wipe out everybody, and then they were supposed to come out of this hive. Which makes no sense because the inciting incident in the first movie is that Spencer, that dick who was a scientist there, him and Mila, or Alice, are scientists, uh, and they don't know it, but they were like, basically, they were the two above ground posing as the family that lived in the, the Spencer mansion. And when everybody's knocked out with gas at the beginning, they lose their memory, so they don't remember. And the whole inciting incident was that that Spencer dude smashes a vial of the T-virus under there because he's just like fed up and it's almost like loosely set up as if it's like a environmentalist sort of thing where he's like, you know, fuck Umbrella uh, I'm going to burn it all down. So if it was a coordinated plan by Umbrella the whole time, it makes no sense that Spencer did like a terrorist attack on Umbrella and set it all off. It basically poses that it doesn't explain it, but maybe that Spencer guy was a clone all along too. And that was part of their plan was frame this clone while nobody knows clones exist to commit this terrorist act so it doesn't look like umbrella is responsible but in reality you know if that it were, were that deeply looked into they'd be like well umbrella's responsible because they were dealing with all this crazy shit in the first place but it it turns into like a big sci-fi epic that has nothing to do with the heart of the games at all and it's all about like cloning and they just wanted a new world order where they were essentially that core group of scientists and a bunch of rich people and like another one in tokyo were going to come up out of the ground and repopulate the earth with like people descended from them after everybody turned into zombies and i think it like was eventually they're supposed to starve but they kept mutating is like the twist of all of it. But yeah, it was, it was really, really dog shit explanation. And it basically makes like every, every point of each of the installments before it 
like completely invalid. It almost like redacts the entire first five movies. It's very strange. And then it may it thinks it's being deep by like making you question if like any of it actually happened or if it was just like a construct of one of the clones like in another training sim basically. Yes, one of the clones yeah, had yeah. autism and a snow globe and yeah, uh, snow globe. So the the... <laughs> uh, that's probably that's, the direction I... that the Spider-Man movies are going to go in next. Is yet yeah, now we're going to have clones of Willem Dafoe and clones well, gonna... of Alfred Molina. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was going to ask you that because from what you're saying, I, I I can't think of where that franchise can go now. That Spider-Man one. Even well, there's a, there's a precedent it. too. For, it can go I mean, they're actually where. They're setting it up with a new Spider-Verse animated film. They've got the Ben Riley Spider-Man, who I believe is a clone. So you can easily weave that in. Now, this Resident Evil series. Um, the the new Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City uh, does a fairly decent job at weaving together the first two games and a lot of the uh, materials from the, the remakes, which I'm not all that familiar with. But the zombies look drastically different in that we pulled it up on the last stream and this is what got us clipped from youtube we can't put up the episode now because the today show flagging us uh they all look like what is it linus or pig pen carson daly's big ass head with the fucking squiggles they they their heads grow and they lose their hair wait and, i can't even um, pull up the images no you can pull or... up the image we just can't okay. play their horrible uh, uh, mutated Peanuts music that had fucking four different tracks playing at one time, trying to tell you it's the Peanuts theme song, gaslighting you into believing that's how it's always been when it wasn't. Anyway, Spencer has no idea what we're talking about. No, not Al Roker. (laughs) Carson Daly. There there you go. That's what the zombies look like in the new Resident Evil movie. Yeah, I remember. So, do are they all like Lisa or something? Are they having a Lisa reaction Trevor, like her? Because yeah, she's uh, in the movie. I know. Yeah, she is, and um, yeah, it, it's a it's a thing where it, also they make Raccoon City more like a small town. Uh, it feels kind of like you know what what movie it reminded me of at times is Night of the Comet, the nineteen eighties. Um, I think it's like Valley Girl survive the apocalypse film. It kind of felt like that at times. It's got kind of like a studio backlot feel to it. It feels like a decent, self-contained 80s horror zombie movie, but with a 90s soundtrack. And I I really enjoyed that. I thought the filmmaker brought uh, a a touch of style to it, and it gave it its own kind of uh, unique texture, which those other movies certainly lack, because they feel like just generic action films. You can't tell the difference between any of those and... What was the other one Mila Jovovich did? Ultraviolet or Monster oh, yeah. Hunter? I was just about to say, too. Yeah, those movies, if you look at them, the majority of them feel like... That's one thing the early ones have, at least, is the later ones you feel like... They feel like COVID movies. Like, they were shot on green screen and stuff, and it mm-hmm. was just, like, only a couple people were allowed to be there at one time. Like, And that's what killed me with a lot of movies the last, like, year, year and a half. Like, you can tell when, like, a production was dealing with this like even the justice league like how we basically got the joker sitting on a car saying weird shit uh <laughs> in the dream sequence uh I, that was that had to be because of covid i have to imagine there was something else happening beforehand and they were like no we can't get everyone together and we hadn't shot the new stuff for that yet uh but i, I didn't realize that uh resident evil franchise is so successful oh yeah uh, they made, made tons of 
a billion two hundred sixty thousand dollars with the whole series, and the whole series cost three hundred thousand. Apparently, think about it though. Uh, it's like tailor made for overseas, and it made a sh- oh, yeah. like I, mm-hmm. I was working mm-hmm. in a theater when a lot of those movies came out. And still have like a lot of connections at the theater I used to work at. So like anytime I want to find out the real numbers that they're hiding from people, I can just find it out from my old boss. And uh, yeah, dude, those movies made so much money overseas. And when you look at it, like, what do they like over there? And what do they not like? And it's like, oh, hot Mm -hmm. chicks and badass looking people doing cool shit and just ridiculous over the top stuff. They love wire work. They don't give a shit about how ridiculous that stuff looks. They eat all of that schlocky, campy stuff up. And then like every like person of color in those movies is a caricature. Mm -hmm. Like it's insane. I think Carlos is probably the most grounded like character that's like not a white guy and he's like I think like an Arab actor plays him if I remember correctly. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh not even actually Latino like he is in the games, but <laughs> yeah, like he's one of the only ones that's like not a cartoon character. Like Mila's one of the only people that is a somewhat like written character and she's still like cartoonish. And the consistency with that never made any sense. She is like an autistic chick with superpowers. And then you find out she might be a clone. And then she has a bunch of clones, but they don't have the superpowers. But then in the final movie, all the clones do have her superpowers. And it just like, it it never makes sense at all. There's no continuity to it. And they like lean into that in interviews and like laugh it up. And like audiences outside of America love that for some reason. <laughs> It's so really unfortunate at, this but... this new one uh, is going to be considered a flop. I think it only made $30 million at the box office on a budget of $25 million. Now, that wouldn't be necessarily – that's not impressive, but that wouldn't be considered a flop with any other series. But like what you guys were talking about just a few minutes ago, uh, each one of these movies had a budget of about $30 million and then would make over $100 million. It would like take over. It would, it would well, be gangbusters. <laughs> That's the, insane. I haven't seen the new one, but that's insane that they're spending almost the same amount of money on it. And that new one looks really low budget in the it trailer. It does. It does. Yeah. I, I honestly like that. Like I'm a huge, like schlock B movie guy. Like I like all that stuff. So I was interested in hearing from you that you said it looks more like small town. Cause the original games are basically like the, the creators were really into Stephen King and a lot of that kind of shit. So they were trying to make it look like either like a small Midwestern, like that classic Main Street. If you've ever been to a place like like Falmouth in, in Massachusetts, down in Cape Cod, they have a Main Street down there that looks like straight out of fucking Resident Evil. It's just all these like really cookie cutter shops, but there's one of everything you'd think of in like a movie town setting where there's like the record store where all the cool kids hang out. And then the police station is just like a little just patrol station right in the middle of the town. And everybody knows everybody. And it's like, I like the idea that they got back to something like that. Cause that's the biggest thing that I really hated about the, the, was it WS Anderson once I keep wanting to say Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those ones. Raccoon City doesn't feel like Raccoon City. Like you said before, Spencer Mansion is insane. It, it's like right in the middle of Raccoon City, almost like just like a, a like a rich lawyer's house in Boston or something. It's not really like Spencer's Mansion's like out in the middle of the fucking woods in the games. Like they had to be flown into it and they're being chased by dogs and stuff to get there. And 
uh, none of that's there. So even to have like that, just the atmosphere and the aesthetic of the games more so this time around is that that interests me more than uh, something like the the new Spider Man right now. I only also brought this up originally because like Rob Zombie was originally he was approached years ago about potentially doing a Resident Evil. Uh, and I, I think oh, it was no. before Anderson ever got involved in it. I think it was like right after uh, uh, he, or not he, after uh, Romero left the project because he was supposed to re- uh, originally do one in like the mid 90s. Did you read the script to that? Uh, I've only ever been able to find excerpts of it. I've never been able to find the actual full thing. I also haven't really? done much digging on it, but yeah, I hear it's good. Uh, uh it leaves out a lot cause I guess he didn't play through the games, but. Well, uh, no, I mean, for, now granted, it's been about 20 years since I read it. I had it printed up and, uh, I read through it many times and I thought it was essentially, it was, it was basically the first game, but it combined the characters from the first two games and I revisited it a couple of years ago. I, I found a PDF of it somewhere, and uh, it was not very good. It was actually it was okay. It was, it was uh, not obviously. Look, if we're comparing it against the Paul W. S. Anderson films, no question about it. I'll go with the George Romero one. Um, but that script is probably closer to what Welcome to Raccoon City was like than anything that can be found in those movies. However, in the last ten fifteen minutes. It goes much more Paul W.S. Anderson. It gets a little wacky. They have to implement the the Sony uh, CG monster of the week, unfortunately. And I wish they didn't do that, but it's it's quick. And it's, yeah, was it like a super that. liquor, or is that thing like an actual tyrant or something? Like you no, see, no, it, it was a uh, Birkin. Birkin monster. Okay, they actually do the Birkin monster because it doesn't. It didn't really look like it in the glimpse you get in the trailer. It looks like they did like a a redesign of it or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm man. not that familiar with that that particular. And then uh, it's Leon's in it too, right? They got like a Spanish guy. He's they Indian. got an Ar- Arab Carlos. Okay, an Indian Leon. It's Indian getting... Leon, and they make note to say, yes, his name is Leon Kennedy. <laughs> oh, okay. his, dad, his dad's irish yeah <laughs> yeah um i don't know uh the characters i mean the characters are pretty close to their version mostly from the game i'd say uh except for wesker wesker is actually much more likable and human in the movie and yeah. more of like a playful jock jill is kind of like her character from the game but not exactly um Leon is, I would say, close enough, and then Claire and Chris Redfield are pretty spot on. Um, but is it is it bad in a like nineties uh, oh. that type of movie from the nineties way where it's still enjoyable, or just bad the script to this new one? No, no, the the Romero, the Romero one. Yeah, uh, it. I mean, it's tough to say with a, a horror movie script, right? Especially one from nineteen ninety seven or eight, right? But. Uh, from my recollection, it, I mean, the dialogue was bad. The dialogue was pretty bad. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to tell you if it was like bad and not fun '90s way or not because we never got to see it executed. And I think that would probably be a lot of the determining factor to that. Yeah, I had only read bits about it, and I heard that it was basically like you said, like they're essentially going into Spencer's mansion. I like, I remember hearing something where it starts out pretty kinetic and they're like already pretty much in the shit. So I assumed it started like that opening trailer uh, or the opening scene in the game where they're already getting chased by the dogs and everything. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I just assume, you know, there it was probably Spencer Mansion, but I remember reading that Leon was in it and it was just taking like the hero characters, kind of like he did with the commercial he he had directed for them over in Japan. Yeah. It was just like them running from zombies frantically. I think it was Leon and Claire. Uh, yeah, they had, I posted a bunch of uh, stills and behind the scenes footage earlier today on Instagram of Brad Renfro, the actor who unfortunately passed away from a heroin overdose in the early aughts, uh, playing Leon Kennedy. I was just like, wow, Brad Renfro looks a lot like Ston from Sewer City TV. Jeez. <laughs> Hope I never not realized that was him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the actress might have been somebody too, but I'm not certain. I don't it know. It really does look like Ston. That's fucking yeah. crazy. So anyway, so Rob Zombie was originally considered for the resident evil series that probably would have wound up better i would assume um i think they just had like an insane list of like weird dudes because think about it it was the mid 90s when horror was like like it still wasn't respected after tons of fucking awesome 80s directors and stuff you know guys today that are literally blown in every horror documentary known to man uh but it wasn't like that in the 90s with studios at least and they didn't really take it seriously rob zombie actually talks about that a lot uh on that rogan episode about doing house of a thousand corpses was like the whole time he was shocked because every experience he ever had and heard about was that they didn't take horror seriously at all and then all of a sudden universal's calling him with almost a blank check to make a horror movie and he wrote the script and gave it to them and they dug it. And like, he straight up said when he pitched it to them, he didn't have a script. He didn't have anything. He was just like, I got this crazy idea. And he made up the name on the spot, according to him. And they were just like, good to go. Get us that script. Do they hold on to the movie? Cause I, I remember yes. Lionsgate uh, putting it out on video. No. When does it say it came out exactly? I think that was uh, 2003. I remember that movie. Then they held being... it for a while. Okay. Uh, he started uh, those meetings, I believe, in the JRE episode. I think he said it, they uh, they started meeting in like 99. So when his music was like really like roaring and he did have like an audience. So it makes sense that they would approach him if they found out that he was trying to direct movies uh just leech off of his fan base um but yeah he said the meeting started in 99 and then i think they he said they wrapped the movie in 2000 and then it just sat on a shelf for a while and i think it was just because of like the the sort of like butting heads with the studio uh heads at the time and i think there was some some people leaving and new people coming in and uh they were kind of they inevitably did reshoots and stuff like that. But that movie is like a big fucking mess. He should just do like a documentary or something on something like that. I know a lot of his diehard fans are probably uh, way more interested in something like that at this point. Cause the last couple of movies have just been just on like a complete decline. Uh, um, how do you guys feel about the parallels between Kevin Smith and Rob Zombie's career? Ooh. Hmm. It's, it's, you know what? That's, that's a little, <laughs> That's, that's actually them, closer actually. than, yeah. Uh, well, I remember House of a Thousand Corpses being like a big controversial movie around the time it came out. I think there was like a, a censored version or something, and then they would promote, it's like uncut or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I remember my cousin introducing that to me around the same time the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake might have been released in theaters or just coming out on video or something like that. Um, yeah, I think that was 2003 as well. 
what what did you guys think of House of a Thousand Corpses? Hans, we'll, we'll start with you. I loved it. First time I saw it, I I, I wasn't very familiar with uh, grindhousey movies at the time, so to me it was kind of uh, you know a uh, type of movie that I haven't really seen that much at the time. So uh, I, I enjoyed the um, what's the fucking redneck name? Uh, the Otis. Chopped up Otis, yeah. I loved Otis. I yeah. thought the character was amazing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think it, it was gross when it was supposed to be gross, like at the right moments. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I still think it might be my favorite of his. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think I would own it on, on DVD still uh, from those days. But, I, I yeah, I still enjoy it. I know it does probably doesn't really hold up as well as when it came out, but... I don't know. It's still. It feels like a like a. Something else he's done after that. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of of those two first movies more than anything else he's done. What about you, Spencer? Uh, I, I, I honestly would agree, at least on the, those being his two best movies, that and, uh, Devil's Rejects. Um, I really like this one. I'm one of the few idiots that actually likes the, like, extended version, too, that had all the, like, weird Dr. Satan stuff at the end. Because there's, like, I think that's what you're talking about, is that there's a longer cut where, I think this one and the first one actually had a point where they were NC-17, And uh, the MPAA was just like, you need to take out all of this stuff. And then uh, that was when I believe the reshoots happened. And uh, it might not have even gone to the MPAA. The studio might have just been like, there's no way this isn't going to get an NC-17. But I heard the the first cut just ended like really violent and abruptly. And no one other than people close to Rob Zombie in the studio have ever seen that. Then there's the theatrical cut that we got. Uh, that most people have seen and then there was the cut that came out on dvd or whatever that was i think why it was so like obscure at the time was that was like the early like all of a sudden all these movies started having unrated editions and it was like horror movies and like mid-budget comedies all of a sudden every time they came out on dvd it was like oh we we edited back in a couple of jokes we cut out of the movie or we all those like five seconds of gore on the end of every shot that the MPA made us cut out we added back in so there is like a weirder almost more surrealist cut of the movie that's like five or ten minutes longer and most of it's at the end there uh, and it's a little bit more violent but it doesn't change things much but I love that movie for a lot of the reasons that that Han stated it's it's really grindy and that's like what I'm all about pretty sure he shot uh that one and Devil's Rejects all on film I think he's dabbled a little bit with digital now, especially with 31. Uh, but those still look nice, really hold up. They're still really fun to watch. And one of my favorite things about the guy, which I'm always like, I'll still go see his movies, even if they're complete shit, is because he uh, he fabricates a lot of that stuff himself and builds it with like a, a very small team of people. And like most of what you're seeing on screen is like really his vision which i think is is cool as hell I'm like i'm not a, a director or a filmmaker by any means i'm more of a writer but the idea of like being able to do something like that and know like a good like 80 percent of what you're seeing on screen he had a hand in 
like the original Halloween, all those Michael Myers masks that are like on the walls and stuff in the room. Every one of those he made by hand, just like leading up to the production. Uh, a lot of him just like being a big horror nerd. But I think the 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 House of a Thousand Corpses uh, is probably my second favorite. But it's a great movie. It's it's a lot of fun, and like the the horror effects are great. And it's like, uh, what was the budget on that one again? Is that like I think it was a couple million, right? They gave him a decent amount on it, especially for the time. Uh, seven, seven million. Yeah, it was a is a decent amount of money. So it's like what they did with it, like uh, it it works out, and it, it it's one of the few like grindhouse movies that uh, that was technically before Tarantino's Grindhouse too, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, it it does that aesthetic without all the digital bullshit and trickery, and it's like actually just a grindhouse movie from our generation, which really isn't a thing anymore. There's tons of people that use that as a selling point on their movies, and they they aren't actually really like a grindhouse movie. There's a there's a different aesthetic to that. As soon as you're adding like lots of really big name talent into it, it kind of removes you from that altogether, unless they're on a big decline, but. Yeah, that that movie is awesome, and it's a it's a, a a testament to how how fun a movie can be when you just let a director go fucking nuts, even when they don't really know exactly what they're trying to do with it. No, uh, they did not give him an increase of budget for uh, Devil's Rejects. I just looked this up. That was also seven million dollars, and I think it they both performed about the same, which is making a bit more than double back. And that was seemingly enough back then to be able to give him the Halloween property, which I think just had bombed at the time with Halloween Resurrection around 2002 or so. And uh, the remake was 2006 or seven, I believe. Hans, I think so. Take a look at that. Uh, that's the same year that Grindhouse comes out, and he does a segment in that uh, film. He does one of the fake trailers with Nicolas Cage, if I recall correctly. I think is. Yeah, it? Werewolf uh, Women of the SS, right? Right, and that's probably the best. Actually, no, I like I like the uh, Thanksgiving trailer. Maybe Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's like well, the best thing Eli Roth's ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Edgar Wright one. Where is uh, it? something about yeah, that, don't, the house? Don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, 2007 is when Halloween came out. That's the movie Edgar. I was saying before this new one came out. That's the movie he should have made. Uh, if he made Don't instead of uh, Last Night That's in Soho not... or whatever, I would have been oh, right haven't. there immediately. Uh, no, I still haven't seen that. I haven't really gotten a lot of positive. I yeah, have... that, that's what I've, I've heard. Just the shrug that Loris just did, that's exactly... Yeah, I have like no system. desire to see it. As soon as I saw the trailer and they were like, I think someone, a bunch of critics were saying it's like Drop Dead Fred if it was a horror movie which literally is Daniel Isn't Real, which is a really good indie horror movie from like a year or two ago with uh, Schwarzenegger's kid in it. Mm-hmm. Way better movie. Same premise from what I hear. <laughs> I'm really disappointed with Edgar Wright. I think he thinks that in order to be taken more seriously or have any awards consideration or have his films be um, you know, raised up in, in, in current times that he has to subdue his style. Because he seems to be a much more generic filmmaker now uh, in his wow. 40s or early 50s, however old he is at the moment, uh, than he was during that stretch of time that led up to Baby Driver. 
The baby driver. He looks like he passed through a black hole, man. I saw a picture of him from promoting last night in Soho, and he's like as big as me now. I was like, what the fuck happened to this guy? <laughs> really? Oh, boy. Yeah, it, it must have been like a bad picture or something, but like he looks old and he got like real. He's like a sausage man now. Hans, can we take a look at this fellow? <laughs> yeah, like he was. Uh, let me see if I can find the photo. I was blown away, man. I couldn't believe it was actually him. All right, well, we got on screen photos of Edgar Wright for our our listeners who are not uh, tuning in. Well, he doesn't look that different. Yeah, he just looks older. I guess. Are you sure it was him, Spencer? I'm. Are you sure you weren't looking at a photo of Paul Schrader? Yeah, right. (laughs) I love Paul. He included me in his top ten lists of films this year. (laughs) I'm ten. Spencer. Is that fucking <laughs> is that the Diana movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's what it is. Oh, oh god. I swear, I'll find the picture and send it to you guys later. I was I was shocked. It looks like me if I shaved. It's like, <laughs> God damn, dude. Maybe uh, he just does not well, he, clean up a, well when he shaves. Yeah. He's a that, little he's a little guy too. So if you know, if you gain weight, you can tell more because he's it a doesn't take much, right. Yeah. You 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 start to widen rather quick if you're uh like below six foot tall. So it, it's it was this vanity fair picture of him. I don't know if I can share things with you guys. Uh, there's a chat a screen. There's a chat right oh. over here and Hans oh. can pull that up. Um, I, I went to see a, a screening of space when I was living in England and he hosted it. And uh, I saw him outside before the, the, uh, it started. And I was like, Oh, Oh, look, it's that Oh, He's tiny. Like, I didn't expect him to be so little, as little as he is. So it's probably that, you know, it's a, a little guy that just gained a little bit of weight. And you can really tell that it makes a difference because there's not much to fill up. Oh, Hans yeah. Get, Hans get defensive of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still. I'm, still, I'm, I'm allowed to fat shame him. I don't <laughs> know if that sends it directly to the right picture, though, but I looked oh, up Edgar wow. Wright fat. I think like the a, key here was it's a Vanity Fair Google. thing. Edgar Wright fat. You just Googled Edgar. Oh, oh, Ooh. yeah. That's yeah, the he one. needs that Dude, beard. And it's from Vanity Fair. I was like, that is not like it could just be they cropped him weird, too. But he's literally it looks like Grimace painted like Edgar Wright. It's insane. <laughs> wow. Well, he is 47, right? Yeah, I didn't even realize he was that old, but just he has been doing making it. excuses for him. Just, yeah, you know. So when did you guys start guy dating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely somebody who needs facial hair because that's. Re- I mean, there was an o- older photo of him that looked like he was from the late '90s, and it seemed like he didn't have much facial hair there either, and it was equally bad. Yeah. He's just one of those dudes who needs a beard. Um, what Hollywood does to a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, what, what do you guys think about the Halloween remake that Rob Zombie did? Because I have, uh, I would say, conflicted feelings about it in that I don't think it's bad as a Rob Zombie movie or even necessarily as a horror movie, but as an entry in the Halloween series, which I don't have like too high of a regard to begin with, or at least with the sequels, you know, the later sequels especially. Uh, I, I don't know if it really lives up to a certain standard. Maybe we talked about this a bit on the Halloween Kill show we did a couple did months a back. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, uh, Hans, have you watched it recently? Uh, yeah, I think they're fine. Uh, again, I, I think uh, what happens with this franchise that have been around for so long uh, I feel like most people don't see all of them. And it's just because it's an icon, right? 
horror icons. So they forget that most of those movies are pretty horrible. <laughs> like most of those movies are shit. So when you see this too, and, and yeah, they, they maybe don't feel like a regular Halloween movie or whatever, but I, I don't hold those franchises as such a high standard where something like that would put me off. Uh, I guess same reason why I enjoy the Busta Rhymes one, just for what it is. Uh, but uh, they're very different. Uh, they definitely are Rob Zombie movies, uh, which is not, I don't think it was a bad thing at the time. I don't know how I feel about that now, uh, but I I like them. I enjoy them. I don't, I don't know where I would put them in order in the franchise, but I don't think they would go that far down in order of quality if, if you really look at the, the franchise in full. You like the second one too? I, I honestly haven't seen that one recently. The the one I've seen recently is the first one. Uh, but I remember that it took a lot of risks and it tried to do something different than what you usually get from those movies. So I guess just for that, good. But I haven't... I, don't, I, I couldn't give you like a proper opinion for that. I heard... What are you? This is what I heard. I heard that you only liked that movie because Weird Al makes an appearance in it. I don't like weird. I've never liked weird. <laughs> Even when I was a little boy, I was like, this is Let it corny. be known. Did you hear Let it, it got fat? <laughs> <laughs> Hans suggested around, ep- what was it, episode 104, 105 earlier this year. He said, well, what if we change the theme song to something from Weird Al instead of that vaporwave generic tune that you open with? I said, Weird Al? What is it, 1988, Hans? I'm not playing any Weird Al on this show. It's a theme song? I don't know. You, you also suggested UHF a couple of times. I, said, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, what if we cover UHF? No, Hans wanted to open yeah. the show with Eat It, the yeah. uh, Beat It parody song from Michael Jackson. No, That's what he wanted why to did, do. Why didn't Nerdy is the one they like? That's oh, the right. good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eat, it, eat It is appropriate for tonight. <laughs> Edgar writes Anthem. Does he just play Weird Al in the sequel, or does he play the talk show host? I can't remember. Oh, no, Chris Hardwick comes in and plays the talk show host, right? Also, we f- we forgot about the fact that Chris Hardwick makes his uh, a debut in House of a Thousand Corpses as a little, round, greasy, shiny face. Yeah, you always forget alcoholic slug Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rain Wilson. Yeah, exactly. They both turn into what, Mermaid Boy or... Whatever they something call like them. that fish boy some i don't know i remember yes yeah, yeah, so. yeah. two dudes yeah. who look incredibly old for the characters they're supposed to be playing in the movie but mm-hmm. somehow still pull it off like mm-hmm. chris hardwick looks older in that movie than he does now and uh <laughs> i that i that's a, i think another reason i like that that first one so much too is he like really nails like the weird sort of like what I feel like everybody should be going for when they're making a movie is like that evergreen feeling of you maybe don't quite know exactly what time period you're in. You're not, you don't really need to explain cell phones or anything. You're just immediately thrown into that story and you, you feel like, you know, the characters and it sort of, his stuff gets away from that later in his career where the characters don't really feel so fleshed out anymore. It's just like, I got that code of Rob Zombie grime on it. It's ready to go out the door. And that's what kills me is like, I enjoyed those first two so much. And then it just like, I don't know what happened. It's like he had like a traumatic brain injury or something and forgot like everything that makes his stuff interesting. And, uh, or just assumed that it was always like that visual aesthetic because 
he like when you, what you were asking with the the Halloween movies. He gets back to that with two, like Hans was saying. It gets a little bit more experimental, but that one also gets way up its ass with like being art house surrealist bullshit and like it's like half good and half bad, just like the first one. Yeah, if I remember, oh, I, oh, I never, never like to miss a chance to pull up Pat Chris <laughs> That yeah. skin, you can almost forgive the fatness if he wasn't so greasy. God. Uh, okay, so you you think that Halloween two is a Rob Zombie film anyway? Is superior to the first one? Now I remember seeing Halloween two. And then I maybe I feel like I checked out the director's cut or the extended cut, and it seemed dramatically different. Maybe I could be misremembering. It's been about fifteen years since I've watched them, but uh, I remember it going in a very not Halloween direction and ending in a very peculiar manner, where I think Laurie Strode is uh, just imagining shit in a padded cell and. I, I don't know. It does interesting things, but it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. But as a Rob Zombie movie, I think it makes uh, some big swings and is an interesting piece of art. It's like a ghost think... movie and a slasher movie, basically. Yeah. Do you think ha- Halloween Kills feels like a Halloween movie? Mm, kind of. A little bit. It feels more like a... I think it... I, I would consider it um, more of a David Gordon Green pseudo-comedy in the same universe as Vice Principles and Righteous Gemstones and, and everything like that. But I think it has interesting right. ideas within it. And a, a, certainly a career-making performance from Anthony Michael Hall. Can we just pull up a photo of Anthony Michael Hall real quick? Preferably cool with him photo. making like some kind of you know weird hand gesture. <laughs> also like gotten Pushing fat. his feet out. Yeah. Yes. And, oh, God. He looks terrible bald. Um, nobody, nobody, I mean, <laughs> he looks does, good. Bald? I, well, well, that's no very disrespectful. <laughs> what the hell? Ooh. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Other oh, than man. Hans. Yeah. Well, Hans to his defense does not have like a perfectly round head. He's got a, kind of a sharp face. That oh dude. The bald. I was just, I was just saying what he's on with me the other day. I was like, you actually pull off the bald if i shave this head it looks like i i'm just like i'm potato on the back <laughs> half of me yeah his head does not suit him uh well for the bald or or crew cut kind of look this is rough. it gets like bigger past his ears it's mm. like baby brainiac really terrible and uh you know what you know say what you want about his performance in that movie anthony michael hall makes halloween kills in my opinion and he's fully in it, man. Yeah. Like, it's a little corny, but he is 100% into it. And that's that's what I want in a slasher movie. I'm not expecting you to, like, reinvent the wheel or, like, it, I'm never expecting a slasher movie to win an Oscar. Uh, like, I'm just expecting you to know that you're in a horror movie and you're eventually probably going to die and just have fun with it and make it interesting. And he does especially with like evil dies tonight. Like literally everyone is saying that the whole movie. And at least he <laughs> says it with some conviction. Like when he asks, you're like, Oh my God, is he blowing Coke in the bathroom in between <laughs> scenes? Like this guy's really going to kill evil tonight. Well, when was the last time he, he starred in a movie that was released in theaters? It's probably been about 25 years, 30. No, actually that's, that might be generous. Is he like the dead zone guy or something. He was in the USA version of the dead zone. Yeah. Which you can watch for free right now on Tubi. So you gotta be getting paid uh, by these people. <laughs> 
We do have a sponsor, and I just keep forgetting to ever bring them up. We have Surfshark VPN. Go to Surf. I think gave me a script and everything too. Fuck that. Just go to Surf. I think I think the link is SurfsharkVPN.com slash Lores if you want to save like eighty six percent on Surfshark VPN. We gotta get that Manscaped sponsorship for you boys. Oh. R.I.P. Loud Boys Podcast, which, uh, yeah, detailed today that, oh, they got a, they got this sponsorship from Manscaped, a good deal on Manscaped. Unfortunately, one of those co-hosts is wandering the streets of New York, uh, babbling about Succession and Larry David and uh, Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> and Norm MacDonald faking his death. Now, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school by sharing private information that somebody took <laughs> some acid and fucking broke their brain and snapped, and it's just a crazy person now. That is getting, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what do they call them? Checks? Welcome checks? Hospi- hospitality checks? Uh, residual checks in the mail from Elmhurst <laughs> Mental Facility? I don't know. I think people should go home and, and relax in bed for a while and see how they feel after about a week and have some chicken soup. That's what I think. Get off of Twitter, yo. Get off, get off yeah, a couple the... of things, really. Get off the pills. <laughs> get off the drugs, alcohol. Uh, just keep a sober brain. Do more of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last Anthony Michael Hall movie, just to bring it back to that, uh, that was released in theaters, was uh, Live by Night with Ben Affleck. No, no. I said okay. starring. Now, he has right. made appearances. He was in Foxcatcher. He was in The Dark Knight. How about oh, this one? God. This went to theaters. What is Bruce Dern doing? <laughs> That's he looks like he doesn't know he's there. <laughs> yeah, he probably. How old yeah, is he? Him and Sean Astin. Almost everyone there is like not looking into a camera or anything. Wow. Well, Sean Astin, I would have. Twenty-seven. I would have that you expectation guys, for, but you guys always find some movies that make me genuinely feel like I could direct a movie. <laughs> <laughs>